Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach who works with managers, C-level executives, and business owners who want to become more mindful and self-aware of how they operate, whether that be through selling, managing, or running their own business. I believe for us to truly connect with those around us, whether they be our customers, colleagues, even friends or family, we need to truly understand ourselves first of all, understand what makes us tick, what makes us feel fulfilled in our life, and what do we really want. And this is one of the reasons why I started Not Another Sales Podcast, because too much is placed on the practicality and skill of doing something. Whilst that's important, I believe we should start with our mindset and behaviours. Start at the root, understand that, and grow it from there. This episode of Not Another Sales Podcast is brought to you by Mindful Talent, a global coaching organisation that trains aspiring coaches and innovative leaders. Their programs, The Trusted Coach and The Trusted Leader, are founded on the principles of mindfulness and developed in alignment with contemporary neuroscience, offering a globally recognised coaching qualification that is accredited by the Association for Coaching. Their online blended learning program has qualified hundreds of participants around the world, helping them to gain an edge in life and in business by increasing their emotional and social intelligence and their ability to connect with others. If you're interested in training with this incredible organization, which I would highly recommend, then you can visit their website and use my personalized URL code to gain 10% off any of their programs. www.mindfultalent.coach That's www.mindfultalent.coach and reference my code, not another sales. And now on with the episode. In today's episode, I'm joined by Angie Vo, a creator of Mindful Organizations, executive performance coach, and keynote speaker. And Angie and I are going to be talking all about supporting mindfulness in the workplace. We're going to start by talking about why there has been a shift towards a focus on wellness and mindfulness in businesses and organizations, the benefit it can have from focusing on this as a business and the individuals within it, advice for companies, big or small, looking to implement it within their organization, how we can begin to start remove some of those stigmas attached to it in the working environment, and also Angie's purpose and focus on this topic overall in her career so far and what she's looking to do. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Angie, welcome. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Chris. How are you? Yeah, really well. Thanks. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Very welcome. And Angie, for people tuning in who haven't heard of you before or haven't or don't know what, what you're all about, it'd be great by starting with a bit of an introduction, a bit of an overview or story as, as such as to what makes you you. Mm, super. Thank you. Hi, my name is Angie Fo. And I'm the founder of Outside In Performance, um, which is a company um, which delivers mindfulness um, services and executive coaching to companies um, to really focus on driving their um, performance, um, both in the workplace and in their personal life. Um, My background has been um, in the tech space for 20 years. So I have uh, run companies such as uh, or divisions of companies such as TripAdvisor and SAP and Mimecast. Um, And part of um, what helped me be successful in my my roles in these organizations 
um, has been my daily practice of yoga and mindfulness. Um, and so, you know, realizing um, the benefits that this has given to me, I decided to, to set up my company to help other organizations become more mindful, um, but also at the same time to enhance um, their performance and productivity. Great. Great. And that's, uh, you know, how we met for, to give people some context of listening was a, a networking event a couple of months ago, Sales Confidence, where you were talking all about, well, predominantly about what you just talked about there. And it was quite nice. I said to you afterwards that the whole theme of the networking event, the kind of golden thread as you were, was mindfulness. And when I heard you talking about it, I was like straight away, I'd love to have a conversation around this. And it leads into what we what we'd spoken about before around supporting mindfulness in the workplace and we're really seeing and probably hence why you've set up the business and what you do is a shift in how employees are being treated and developed and there's still a way to go of course but one thing is focusing on wellness which includes mindfulness so first of all Andrew I'd love to know from your perspective why do you think we're seeing this shift towards businesses investing more in their people's wellness and particularly mindfulness so I think that there's sort of a number of reasons why we're seeing the shift. Uh, I think one of the largest reasons is that we are seeing a number of uh, mental health related issues in the workplace and in the UK in general. Um, and based on sort of recent studies, one in three people in the British workforce has been formally diagnosed with a mental health issue, um, which is astonishing, really. And that trend uh, has been steadily increasing over the years. Um, so really, I think employees now need to, or employers need to provide that support for employees so that they can actually perform well in the workplace and also uh, in their home life as well. Mm. Yeah, it seems particularly with the, the rise of social media that it's become more acceptable to talk about it and people don't see it as much of a a stigma anymore which is why i think it's then expanded into the workplace not saying people are comfortable to talk about it but i think it's just given more exposure and therefore made businesses feel like they need to sort of catch up to to stay aligned with that absolutely i, I think sort of mental health has a much higher profile than it ever has done before um but i think organizations and us as a nation um still have a lot more work to do um, there is still a stigma around talking about mental health related issues. Um, and I think people still perceive kind of issues such as anxiety and depression um, as a weakness. Um, so whilst we have made huge progress and continue to make a lot of progress, um, organisations still need to move beyond almost sort of paying lip service to it, to, to really embedding it in their organisational culture. Mm. And I'd love, I'd love to come back to that point later on in terms of the how. And um, First of all, what, what value do you see in, in organisations promoting mindfulness in the workplace and really getting behind it, as you alluded to there, in the right manner? So I think first and foremost, organisations do have a duty of care to their employees to ensure, you know, that they are uh, mentally and emotionally healthy um, and that they do have, you know, the overall sort of work-life balance, which is a huge challenge now, particularly with the always-on culture. 
um, the sort of lines between work life and personal life are blurred and people are expected to, um, you know, respond to emails outside of hours and at weekends and on holiday. Um, and so this creates, um, you know, pressure and added stress on people when they should actually be giving their brain a time to relax. So, so the first one is obviously they have a duty of care. Um, but also, you know, there are significant other benefits to the employers. I'll come on to the employees in a minute. Um, but, you know, if your workforce is happy and healthy and engaged, you are going to get a much better performance as an organization. Um, because if, if your staff are tired and demotivated, then you can't expect them to provide the most amazing customer service and, and to you know, be the best that they can be if they're not supported in all aspects of their life. Um, and also um, it helps reduce mental health related absences from work, which, you know, as we know, are on the rise. Um, and also for employers, um, particularly with the millennial generation, they expect organisations to provide more than just a great salary. Um, millennials are often looking for, um, you know, what what else can they provide in terms of benefits and well-being and work-life balance. So if employers can embrace, uh, you know, wellness and well-being, it will help them become an employer of choice and re- attract the best talent in the marketplace. Yeah, it's interesting when we you talked about beforehand around this stigma attached around anxiety and depression and how mental health and physical health, we look at things very differently. For example, after a workout or after a long day, no one's got a problem in the office saying, oh, I'm really tired um, or even perhaps even stressed. You know, that's something that's thrown out there. But then it's almost like as soon as it's something mental, we, we can't be as open with it because naturally as human beings, we feel a lot more vulnerable talking about something that we can't see, whereas tiredness is something we'll openly talk about with our friends or our family but it should be seen as the same thing really in that it's it's something that's going on with our bodies so therefore we shouldn't try and hide it we should be open about it and be comfortable that others are going to be able to support us through it absolutely Uh, and i think also there is um you know a gap in terms um, of companies um, in terms of making sure that managers are equipped to have these mental health related conversations um, because you know they often don't know how to to deal with these kind of discussions in the right way so you know having mental health champions training line managers um, you know embedding a culture um, where you know these conversations are encouraged and there is support available would go a long way mm. yeah and you mentioned there around some companies may still feel quite apprehensive about doing this about openly promoting mindfulness in the workplace without the proper support and structure and some people may say thinking oh people might start using it as an excuse and of course I'm not saying that at all from my perspective but that's how Again, that's probably more of a lack of education around the understanding of mindfulness. But what advice would you give to those companies that feel a bit apprehensive about embedding this into their workplace? Um, I think, you know, having the right training um, would go a long way um, in sort of helping organisations address these issues. So, you know, sending at least one person on mental health um, sort of first aid training um, would actually, you know, help disseminate the message to other managers. Um, 
And I just, I don't think organisations can avoid this. Um, you know, the, the British government is calling on organisations to, to take more responsibility um, in looking after employees' mental health. And I think if they don't, organisations will suffer um, because they will see more staff turnover. There will be more sort of um, mental health related absences. And also prevention, as we know, is better than cure. Um, so, of course, that, that you, know, you can't assume that you know, everyone can be cured or, or things can be prevented. But when you start to look after the mental health of your employees, when you start to uh, recognise the signs of stress and burnout, and you can either guide the employees yourself or guide them to resources um, where they can seek the help they need, they will find that, um, you know, they will have better engagement, uh, more loyal staff um, and hopefully a, a sort of happier and healthier workforce. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big things for me as well when I see where I see this work in organisations and why I feel it's so valuable is is the empathy behind it. It's, it's, it's a massive sign of empathy towards making your employees realise or future employees realise that your um you're treating them like human beings and you understand that, yes, you you might expect a lot from them as a person, but you're providing the right kind of structure and support around them. So, again, it's making people feel comfortable for where they work. And you alluded to earlier around millennials, you know, wanting more than just a good salary, but somewhere that they enjoy coming and that it's it's addressing that elephant in the room to say it's okay if you feel like this. You know, you're, everyone is feeling like this at some point. Don't feel alone, which is, again... Another one of those stigmas when people have this aspect of mental health, they often think like no one else feels this way and because no one else is talking like that, no one will understand them. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we've seen sort of organisations now that are uh, actually actively um, having sort of mental health role models within the organisation who are sharing their stories of perhaps um a mental health breakdown or depression and come through it. And by giving people that platform and the permission to share their vulnerability and something that's incredibly personal, um, it actually encourages other people to, to speak out as well, particularly when you see those professionals who have come out the other way, who've been supported by the organisation and who are now incredibly successful. So, you know, encouraging that open dialogue um, will go a long way in helping employees feel supported um, and, you know, knowing who they can go and speak to, whether it's on a formal basis or an informal basis. Mm. And what about for people perhaps in, in smaller businesses or just startups or even people who are starting up on, on their own? and they've got maybe two or three people around them, what advice would you give for those people that maybe don't have the training but could maybe utilise that champion in a different way? So I think there are a lot of resources uh, available online for small and medium-sized organisations um, that they can use without necessarily committing a, you know, a large budget to it or a large amount of um, at time. So, you know, there are there's sort of things like the World Mental Health Day, um, the Mental Health Awareness Week, which is um, coming up from the 13th of May. Um, there's uh, the Mental Health Toolkit from the Public Health uh, England. 
So there are lots of free resources out there that small and mid-sized businesses can tap into to both educate themselves, but also to share with their employees as well. Mm, absolutely. And throughout your career, your journey of, of mindfulness is around you. What, what do you feel like you've learned most about yourself? Um, so mindfulness really gives you a, a deeper level of self-awareness. Um, and I think when you have that level of self-awareness, you can better relate to other people. Um, you understand yourself, your emotional reactions, and therefore you're better able to connect with others. Um, you're able to sort of build your emotional intelligence as well. Um, and for me, mindfulness has really helped me manage the stresses of, you know, running multinational businesses. Um, so it's been a way of sort of keeping me mentally calm um, and, you know, helping me deal with, you know, crisis situations sometimes, you know, quite sort of difficult situations without sort of flapping and, and sort of becoming stressed myself. So it, it's really helped me be successful in my role as a leader. And I really think, you know, in the workplace, having the ability to switch our brain off or focus our brain, um, you know, even if it's just a mindful breath or taking a mindful minute for yourself, um, it's just giving our, our sort of brain the, the time that it needs just to, to recharge. Mm -hmm. and, and since you've set up your own business, what what do you think you've you've learned either about yourself or in general things that maybe have surprised you or you didn't really think of before or weren't mindful of um so i mean certainly in in the organizations i've worked with um i do a lot of work starting at sort of board level and leadership level is that at least kind of 60 to 70 percent of the room have um issues sleeping um, a lot of people um, are sort of facing burnout or have faced burnout at some point in their career. Um, and also, I find that, you know, when we have these discussions at board level, people are not necessarily aware of the challenges that other people have faced. And so by sharing that vulnerability as well, particularly amongst leadership teams, it's actually um, helping them work better together to have a deeper appreciation for each other but also to provide a support network as well. So, you know, that's been quite interesting, just learning that, you know, executives have a, you know, a big, a lot of trouble sleeping. And that's because our brains are just constantly thinking about the next to-do list or responding to an email or a social media message. Um, so we're not really giving us that downtime before we go to bed so that we can have full night's sleep. Um, and the other thing that uh, that sort of comes out of some of the, the sessions that I run is that people are really struggling in their personal lives as well in terms of really connecting with their families or with their children or friends um, because of the pressures of work outside of the workplace. So part of being mindful is crafting out those moments of time that you can dedicate to whether it's hobbies your children exercise whatever it may be but just having those moments where you give yourself permission to switch off a device um, and just to relax and recharge so that you can 
been much more performant in in your daily life. And throughout this and the business you've set up and what you're doing at the moment, what would you say your overall purpose is? Um, So my purpose is really to help people lead a sort of happier life. Um, My main focus is working with corporates. Um, So it's actually using mindfulness to help organizations become more performant, so increase performance, and for employees to... Um, you know, have better mental and emotional well-being and drive performance um, without necessarily adding to their workload by, you know, adding, uh, you know, extra, like I'm going to meditate for an hour. It's how do you integrate mindfulness into their daily life in a way that makes sense for them? Mm. Yeah, I'm completely on the same page there because I think, as you alluded to there, a lot of people don't fully understand mindfulness they have a certain vision of it and therefore they shut off from it because they think i'm you know i couldn't meditate for an hour or it's just meditations it's a lot more than that and it's a lot simpler than that and of course those those levels are beneficial but there's as you've talked about there some some simple ways to start building it into your everyday life whether you're in sales or you're marketing whatever you're doing with it absolutely and and sometimes i mean mindfulness is really just being fully aware in the present moment um without judgment and you know it's as simple as that so you know we're we're operating in an age where we are constantly multitasking and of course you know we do have to multitask but not necessarily a hundred percent of the time so when you are having a conversation with someone you know really give them the gift of your full attention that in itself is being mindful um, you know, when you're eating, don't necessarily eat your lunch at your desk every day whilst you're responding to emails or WhatsApp messages. You know, really take the time to appreciate your food and the taste and the texture. Um, so there are little things like that that we can do that will actually make a difference um, just by focusing our attention on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And other than what we've talked about today, Angie, is there anything else, tips or advice you'd like to share with people tuning in? So I think, you know, the importance of um, authenticity um, in whatever you do, whether you're sort of a sales rep, a sales leader or uh, in anything, I think give yourself permission to be authentic and to be vulnerable as well. And I think often we we shy away from vulnerability um, because it's seen as a sign of weakness. But actually open yourself up, give yourself permission to not necessarily have all of the answers because it's through that that you forge uh, a deeper level of connection. You uh, engage different perspectives from other people. And, um, you know, as, at a leadership level, it really helps build trust and a culture of openness and transparency. And I think mindfulness can really um, help with driving that authenticity and and vulnerability. Mm. Yeah, and it kind of echoes what we've been talking about today in terms of advice for not just individuals, but businesses in terms of mindfulness, being authentic about it, not doing it just for a week or for a tick box exercise, but actually, if you want to support it, fully commit to it. And the same with the vulnerability part is that you are going to have to be vulnerable about it as well. So 
I see a very nice alignment there. Absolutely. And, um, you know, as with anything within organisations, it does need to have commitment from the top of the organisation. Because if you have your HR department promoting wellness and work-life balance, but the leadership team is doing the complete opposite, you'll find that employees will follow and emulate what their leaders are doing. Mm. So it's important for organisations to really embed you know, employee wellness and mental health into their culture and values and their overall way of operating. And obviously that does take time and commitment. Um, but but I think it's it is a must have moving forward. Mm-hmm. And 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 on that, how would you advise people to to gain buy-in perhaps if they're not at the top of their business and have the overall say but need others to commit to it? So I think that there are many different ways. I mean, certainly from a HR perspective, you know, how many people do have mental health issues in your uh, in your workplace and what is the cost to you as an employer in terms of lost productivity? Mm-hmm. There's also the issue of presenteeism as well. You know, what percentage of your workforce is just coming to work but not really optimizing their performance and really engaging? Um, But I would also set up a sort of wellness committee as well and actually get the feedback from the employees, because ultimately those will be the consumers um, and the beneficiaries of uh, any employee wellness initiative. So it's often good to get their feedback um, and suggestions on how they would run it and then put together a business case um, which is you know bottom up and then obviously top down yeah great well angie it's been a real pleasure today thank you so much for sharing your your insights and and your ideas and obviously your experience thank you chris it was uh thank you for inviting me it was a pleasure you're very welcome and for the listeners thanks for tuning into another episode of not enough sales podcast hey people thanks for listening to another episode of not another sales podcast If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram, notanothersalesguy, underscore in each of those words. You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing notanothersalespodcast. And also, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I go by the name of Chris Hatfield. So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.